0: oṃ um, sahana Babatu sahana bhunaktu sah viryam karavavahai ejasvinavadhi tamastu ma vidvishavahai oṃ um, shāntiḥ today we saw the opening verse of the Maitri Upanishad, and which basically talked about how any yajna that is done, yajna means sacrifice, fire sacrifice, or fire ritual, really speaking and uh, so this fire ritual is part of the you know life of the vaidika so package deal. if one is a vaidika meaning born into the vedic tradition then you have to have a you have to have a a lifestyle that goes along with this uh, with this tradition and the lifestyle is full of various karmas involving fire, ghee and you know a lot of time, a lot of expenses and uh, this is one way in which the Vedas harnesses the person um, along with their desires into a mode of prayer rather than, you know, um, rather than what, rather than trying to um, dissipate those desires with uh, with various things, with various uh, mechanisms, such as, you know, offering somebody to get what they want, climbing on someone else's back. Um, taking advantage of somebody's hard-earned money, taking shortcuts as far as dharma is concerned, this is what the general tendency of the people is, um, you know, to to shortcut the dharma in order to get what one wants, the ends justify the means. So here the Veda, the body of knowledge that uh, talks about the truth of the self, along with a lifestyle that is conducive to gaining this truth, to to being established in this truth, what does it do? It offers this, uh, you know, this prescribed lifestyle where one is busy harnessing or channeling one's desires into prayer. This is a very effective way because after about 10 yajnas, you know, if you do it, according to the prescribed manner, one is, you know, yajna out. One is sick of Yajna's because it involves a lot of expenditure, it involves a lot of headache and then besides you may still not gain whatever you wanted and like this, you know, the, the whole idea is to grow out of trying to fulfill all these, you know, these uh, desires which appear to be infinite and through finite means and the desires appear to be infinite because the desire is really for the infinite which is the truth of oneself but here it appears to be infinite because it's it's just sort of transfixed on all kinds of small small things and when those desires arise they you know the desire is not a problem We are not trying to talk about mind control or control of desires. So the yajna keeps the desires managed. That's what it is. So we are talking of management. And what is management? Management is where there is no, you know, where the, the, the desire is managed. A desire that is managed is a desire whose pressure is is uh, has been neutralized the desire is not a problem but the desire creates a pressure to do ullanghanam ullanghanam means you know a kind of a crossing a transgression of what is right what is appropriate and what is in one's own interest and sometimes one gets into you know, so much pressure because of some desire that one, you know, self-sabotages one's own larger interests. In going for the finite, In one gives up the focus on the infinite, you know. And uh, Adi Shankara rightly talks about the pressure of these desires in the commentary on the second chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, and says that you know the towards the latter part, and says that because of the pressure created by the Ragadveshas, the person smriti vibhramaha, the person becomes one for whom the the memory is is disturbed. And what kind of memory? We are not talking of memory for Pandyan grammar. We are talking of just the remembrance of what is important in this life i e moksha and how everything else is not important and how it's not as important and how you know that this uh, this is forgotten who i i, I uh, who i am in this life and what is my purpose which was already known before uh, is forgotten is temporarily you know one is as though rendered insane when one acts upon the pressure because there are certain ways in which the pressure builds up and you know in the beginning it's more a fancy or a sense of hurt. I didn't get what I feel I deserved or I am entitled to this and I want this. It seems innocuous enough what's wrong with that, nothing wrong. It seems like a healthy sense of, you know, going about one's ambitions. And then slowly the desire morphs into, you know, getting it by any means necessary. And that pressure builds up to such an extent that one, you know, loses sight of one's goals. That is the whole idea. Adi Shankara talks about this and like an extreme form of this. And, um, you know, where the person, um, uh, you know, after Smriti Vibrahma, there is Buddhi Nasha. Buddhi Nasha means all the priorities and all the ways in which whatever one, you know, held dear and important is compromised. The relationships that one thought were very important are compromised. And this is what, you know, we saw yesterday uh, that the fire ritual, is not. Therefore, it comes as a shock to us to see that the fire ritual is not an end to fulfilling the desires. It's, in fact, that's what, you know, the fire ritual is touted as. But the opening mantra here says that the, fire, the purpose of the fire ritual is entirely different. The rituals that are done, whether they involve fire or water or whatever it is, all the prayers done in the tradition. Are for desire management because the management of the desires channels the desires into where it finds its natural culmination, i.e., in brahmavidya in knowing oneself. So, in other words, the the, the Upanishad makes the claim that you know, a very atrocious claim from the standpoint of the karmathas, from the standpoint of the one who is busy doing this and that and calling himself or herself a good, a very good Hindu and observing Hindu because I'm doing everything correctly. And here is a a, a crash on that person's idea of one's own identity, one's own self-identity as a good Hindu. Or a good Vaidika, and what does you know, you know the, that that kind of a ego, the ahankara, is put to an end right here in the beginning, where it says that the purpose of the fire ritual is not to gain various ends in life. The purpose of the fire ritual, as shown by the illustrious collective ancestors of ours, in the form of rishis, is to mature for self knowledge. So the purpose of the fire ritual is not to gain things in time, one thing at a time. The purpose of the fire ritual is what? You know, to be able to gain that which is timeless, which is beyond time, which is the truth of you, which is not, you know, which is not a thing, but it is the truth of which lends its existence to all things, the truth of everything, including yourself. Sarvan Kaman Samashnute to quote the Taitariya Upanishad. You know, and Sarvan Kaman Samashnute means the one who is able to as a result, enjoy all the desires at once. How can you enjoy all the desires at once? Not possible, you know. Like supposing you like something savoury like this, uh, whatever it is, like this Chivda, you know, which you can get in the, in the market. Ready-made Chivda. And uh, then, then you also like, let us say, some, uh, you know, something like uh, ice cream and then sarvan, kaman samashnuti, you are going to eat the jivda along with the ice cream. In fact, the jivda is going to be the topping. You know, is that possible? Is that going to be enjoyable? It's going to be disgusting, you know. For most people. And uh, you can can never uh, rule out somebody who says, Hey, I like that. So, for most people are going to find it very weird, if not disgusting. And so therefore what? So, what does this mean? Sarvan kaman samashtute. The person fulfills all the desires at once. Yaha brahmavit. You know, saha, Sarvan kaman samashtute. The one who is the knower of Brahman, The one who has gained Brahman. Gains all the desires because that, you know, all the desires in the world that one has in order to improve something, in order because one is non acceptable to oneself. And that non acceptability translates into a frenetic activity to right all the wrongs, real and perceived. I didn't get this, I should have got that, I want this, I, did, I I want to go for that. So all this sum total of everything, all these desires are really speaking one desire, which is for self-acceptance. That's really what it is at the heart of it. And and so the Upanishad starts with a big bang. <laughs> so what is this big bang? The big bang is just what it sounds like. The Big Bang is that which says that look, you know, you are, you know, you are the whole and you are full in yourself. But because of the self-ignorance, you are not understanding this and knowing this. And therefore, all these yajnas that exist are there to help you gain all the preparation that is needed in order to know Brahman. And how do we know this? Because the sages of yore, in the past, the sages also did the same yajnas, but for different purpose than for which you are doing it right now. So therefore, he says, you know, the Upanishad says, Tasmad what? Now, you know, Tasmaat, the Yajamana, you look at the text. So Tasmaat, Yajamana, Chitwa eetan atmanam May the person, having you know set these fires, rituals in motion, you know, even as one is engaging in the fire ritual, may the person, you know, what? Uh, may the person contemplate upon the self or go to the area, the direction of contemplating upon the self because that is what this this whole thing is about. And how to contemplate on the self? Start with that which connects you to yourself, you know, in the form of the breath, in the form of, you know, being that, you know, uh, being that which is one of the five elements in the form of the air element which converts itself into prana as soon as it, uh, enters the body through the lungs and therefore what meditate upon this prana as something that connects everything first you meditate upon um, extinguishing the alienation between yourself and the and the universe which is the cause of all these desires morphing into small small you know, uh, chips on the shoulders, small and big, that, that you know, wrongs that need to be righted, things that are not there which need to be gained, things which I have gained which need to be got rid of, all these things which have morphed into those kinds of pursuits, you know, you, you they exist because of the alienation from oneself, because of being overwhelmed by Raga and reja. and so basically, Look at this, you know, prana. And as soon as you, you know, take the air in, take a deep breath. This you can practice at home, you know. And you can take a deep breath. And just see that what is outside is within. As within, so without. It's all this one interconnected whole. And even if you can't see the interconnected whole or appreciate it, uh, immediately, just this, you know, this exchange of vayu into prana, back into vayu, and you sit quietly observing this exchange, you feel connected to the whole. And then the second stage of that is to see that everything that breathes, there is one kind of an interconnection. You breathe, the, the cockroaches also breathe, including the Brazilian singing cockroaches. They are not singing. Poor things, they are just breathing. (laughs) You know, they they just happen to be, you know, six inches in length. Big they are. And they they breathe. And when they breathe, they make this hissing noise or some kind of a singing, whistling noise that's interpreted as singing. So they are not singing. They breathe. Cockroach breathes. Plant breathes. Mushrooms breathe, you know, all kinds of things in the universe breathe through the various mechanisms. The fish are breathing in a different way, the plants are breathing in a different way, you are breathing. So this prana is actually Sutratma. Sutre maniganaha iva to quote the Bhagavad Gita in the seventh chapter. Sutre maniganaha iva, you know it's like a thread upon which so many Um, Money means what? Pearls, you know, beads have been strung. So the beads are connected together, you know, otherwise they are just scattered all over the place. But here, the beads are connected uh, together by a sutra, which is the thread. And here, the thread of the universe that connects everything that breeds is prana here. And therefore, prana is a manifestation of Bhagavan. More about that later. But, so this is, you know, a a very simple exercise is given, you know, even as one is building the sacrificial fire, and this should not be taken literally, that you are putting the sticks and then breathing and contemplating on yourself. Um, It should be taken metaphorically, meaning as one is pursuing the desires, as one is keeping on engaging in doing yajna, may one you know, channel the results of the Yajna into gaining self-maturity. So basically, the, the, the oh, this Upanishad is very important because it starts with a, with a Agraha, a request to turn to Karma Yoga from the beginning. Yeah, very, very interesting and you know what is even more telling is that in some versions in most versions this first mantra is not there so this lesson one is 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 was there in the you know in the ancient commentary by one swami ramatirtha very nice commentary and this swami ramatirtha i think from the uh, you know uh, ramakrishna order and uh, he was one of the few people who uh, went into the uh, united states and lectured there in the uh, you know in the beginning of the last century but uh, was very short lived lived only for 32 years and he went all over he went by ship you know in those days i think that's how they traveled and then he went without any luggage <laughs> no ticket no luggage and nowhere to stay nothing And, you know, I can understand going without luggage if you're not a Swami because you can borrow anybody's clothes and there. But then he just went without luggage even though he was a Swami and then people just, uh, you know, got things for him and, uh, you know, got the the tickets, got the clothes and everything. So, he, um, you know, that uh, the dictum that Swami should get rid of all baggage, he took it literally as well. (laughs) so very inspiring uh, figure and uh, very good in vedanta very good in sanskrit and he has written a comprehensive commentary on this upanishad you know it's worth looking into it's very very nice and not very difficult to follow the sanskrit is uh, not difficult the only thing difficulty is that the sanskrit script in the in the book uh, is in the uh, old sanskrit script so it's kind of in between devanagari and brahmi and so you have to get used to certain letters like a er and Ksha and few others written in a different way you have to get used to them uh, but then the commentary is 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 very uh, beautiful easy on the eyes and shows his erudition um, with regard to you know all these upanishads and we are very happy to have this commentary because because of this commentary you know, we come to know that there is one more verse here which is uh, has been omitted from the uh, later renditions and so, and therefore the smart what you know, Atmanam um, Abhidhyayet to because, why? because only when the fire ritual in the form of all of our prayers you know, or, or this Yajamana's prayers, is accompanied by a focus on the Self, only then the fire ritual is complete and considered flawless. Ah. So it's considered flawless only when, uh, when it meets the condition of what? When it meets the condition of being, uh, being accompanied by self-pursuit, pursuit of the self. Otherwise it is it is flawed. Like even the person because as we saw so either yajna is flawless or the yajamana, the sacrificer is flawless. Both. Ah, both. Because yajna here means the sacrifice and the sacrificer. Both become complete, both become flawless and both get prepared you know, they both are a preparation for knowing Brahman. Just like the ancestors of the past. And then when we translate this message, you know, to um, to more of a uh, contemporary times, because who is doing yajna nowadays? No one, you know. Very few people are doing yajna, that too on a regular basis. In 2001, they counted, that is, you know, almost two decades ago, they counted uh, only 300 Nitya Agnihotris in India, meaning people who do daily Agnihotra and other karmas, fire rituals. There were only 300 of them. And now I'm sure that number has undergone a further attrition. So therefore, who is doing Yajna? And so it's it could be tempting. And easy to dismiss this mantra as, you know, that was then, this is now, it doesn't apply to me. Why doesn't it apply to me? Because I'm not doing yajnas anyway. So how can I use them for meditating upon the self or contemplating upon the self? Not possible. And, you know, like we write on those forms, N-A, not (laughs) applicable. In fact... (laughs) You know, Swami Ramatirtha in his commentary says, Not applicable? Not so fast. (laughs) Not so fast. Why? Because it is applicable, because you may not be doing yajnas, but any other form of prayer, uh, you know, for all kinds of desires are to be treated in the same manner. Well, I'm not a prayer. I'm a prayer, P-R-E-Y-I-N-G. I don't P-R-A-Y at all. I, I don't pray. I pray upon what? The patience of everyone around me. I pray upon all the objects of the senses and the desires. So therefore, you know, I, I this is who I am. I don't pray. So it doesn't apply to me. Doesn't matter. You do things from morning to night, don't you? Yes, that I do. I wake up. I brush teeth. I go to work. You know, I beef a few people on the way who are standing in my in in my way. Knock them out. And then what? You know, I do this, that, and every other thing. And then I, you know, uh, I I my day is spent trying to make the universe for every little thing that it can be and it can give, in me, give me all possibilities, you know. And then all the things I don't have, that also I should start connecting. And all the things that I do have that I don't like, you know, I should, I should do this. So all the minuses in my life should become pluses and then everything should be delivered to me on a platter because, you know, I deserve it. And so this, you know, so the person who is who is engaged in activity, and you know, don't think of this person as some somebody somewhere out there, you know, it is each one, it is each person before they come into Vedanta, you know, so this is their attitude. The attitude is to how to get the most in my life, and how to just, you know, continue to seize every single thing and make it into an opportunity, every single encounter must be an opportunity for, you know, for ragadvesha, fulfillment, everything should be an opportunity, at any cost, I should get what I want, and, uh, you know, and so really speaking, so this applies to everybody, before anyone encounters Vedanta, this is how people are. And so therefore what? Therefore, the it applies to everybody. No, but I am into Vedanta, so it doesn't apply to me. It may apply. We have to look into it and look at all the ways in which there is, for one, to further grow into the message of the first mantra, which is a very, you know, uh, which is a wake-up call a shocking message that every yajna, no matter how carefully done is incomplete without the pursuit of the self and so here how do we translate it into the daily life this is what uh, you know peter was asking yesterday what does it mean right now what it means right now is that anything that i do you know is is to be observed and examined in the light of this statement that perhaps all the things that I do are not going to fulfill me. They are not going to be fulfilling because where I find fulfillment is, is an already established fact which is myself alone. And that self is not an object of pursuit in the sense of pursuit of other objects in the universe that self is an object of cognitive pursuit because the object is uh, the, uh, the, the 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 self is away from me why because of my sense of separation from the subject so this object of pursuit called the self is really the, the subject of one's pursuit cognitively because it's already gained like even one's glasses on the forehead. You keep the glasses on the forehead some people do that you know they keep it here and then they're looking all over the place where did I put my glasses. The glasses are an accomplished fact. Siddhavastu not something to be accomplished you don't have to go and order new glasses Sadhya vastu. It's not a sadhya vastu. It's a Siddha vastu. It's an already established fact. And if it's an already established fact, what do you have to do? You have to know it. And if you don't know it, you have to understand it. You have to know it. And therefore, what? Therefore, this whole, you know, this whole universe and and everything that I am trying to gain from it currently in my life. Let me see all my activities, let me convert my activities into preparation. Yeah, into preparation. Let me convert my activities not into some kind of a, you know, uh, each activity as an end in itself, let me convert it into preparation. Preparation for what? Preparation for the pursuit of the self. Preparation for the pursuit of myself and what kind of a pursuit is it it's a different pursuit than all the other objects that i have pursued in my life because all the other objects that i pursue and continue to pursue are what they are finite and they are away from me they have to be i have to go after them They, in other words they require karma what about the pursuit of the self it does not require karma because it is myself. It's a pursuit of the subject, first difference. And second difference, it's a cognitive pursuit, not a karmic pursuit. So then, should I give up karma and sit down? Please don't. <laughs> why? <laughs> because then I'll have to deal with you. That's why. <laughs> so, please don't sit down after giving up karma. Purify the karma in the fire of this knowledge. Purify the karma in the fire of this understanding, in the fire of this wisdom that whatever that you are pursuing, you know, let it let it be a process of self-purification. How do I do that? <laughs> you know, supposing I want to be the best something, you know, I want to be the CEO of a mega, you know, company. How do I purify that karma? You know, learn to accept what comes. Prasadabundhi. Just go back to, uh, you know, karma yoga basics. Learn to accept what comes. And how to learn to accept what comes? You know, by first purifying the action. Because only when you purify the action, then only you can purify, you can accept the results of action. Then only the results of action can be considered pure because you have purified the action in the beginning. How to purify the action? You you dedicate it to Bhagavan. You dedicate it to Bhagavan. No, but I don't have Bhagavan in my life. Well, there is always another Janma. You know, if not this life, next life, Bhagavan will surely come into your life. It is a promise of of Bhagavan himself in the Bhagavad Gita. So, but I want how to in, invite Bhagavan in this light. Prayerize everything. Yeah. Start to pray. But I don't believe in prayer because I don't believe in Bhagavan. Well, to that we have to say that you, you know, uh, Bhagavan is not an object of belief, just like you are not an object of belief. You cannot say, I believe that I exist. Why? Because you, you know you exist. And that you alone is, is deified as Bhagavan, as Rama, as Krishna, as Bhagavati, as you know, as Goddess, etc. It is, it is that same you, not the you that is identified with the body-mind complex, but the you that, that pervades the whole universe in the form of this Prana, in the form of all the orders, in the form of the very presence of all things which is the truth of all things, that which lends its presence and its glory to everything without undergoing any change. That is the definition, the Upanishadic definition of you. And so, oh, that sounds good. Yeah, it sounds wonderful. And so therefore what? So therefore start, you know, start a small altar because surrendering to which alone one can alter this course of one's life. Yeah, that's why it's called altar. Start with a small altar. Put a flower on it, put put a little incense, whatever it is, keep it simple. And then slowly, you know, you will start you know, you will start looking upon it as, you know, as a conscious entity, as a conscious being. And that's what it is. So it all it's a it's a cultivation of bhakti. And bhakti is something cultivated. It is, it, is, it is already there as a potential. It is cultivated through open and overt practices of surrender. And when one practices surrender, then you know one acknowledges the, that one is not calling all the shots. Back to the fellow who wants to be the CEO of the mega company, surrender that desire and say, I can only control the known variables, but for every known variable, there are several hidden and unknown variables lurking in the background. I need your help. Let this, you know, guide me to act properly. I am not the actor. You are the actor. Let me just see this for now. And then what? So the results of the action come. Somebody else becomes the CEO, and then what you 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 learn to accept it, if not gleefully, at least prayerfully. This is this is the practice through which all actions are spiritualized, all relationships are spiritualized. Everything is for self-growth, starting with marriage, you know, which is highly recommended because you know it's very healing because there are so many ways in which. You know, one has undergone certain childhood, you know, because of certain childhood problems and, uh, you know, no care being given by the caregivers uh, or inadequate care or abusive care, all these things. That has to, that needs healing. So, pursue that, no problem. But, you know, every, every marriage is a is not an end, it's a means to accomplishing the knowledge of the self. And if you look upon every marriage like that, it cannot but be successful. Yeah. But if the marriage is an end, as I have said before, it will end. Ah, The end. Because the marriage is not an end. Just like the yajna is not an end. Children are not an end. You know, children are not an extension of you. Children are just temporary beings that have come into your custody, so to speak. That's all they are. They have their own karmic trajectory. They have their own lives. And you just have the privilege of enjoying them and guiding them when they need it. You know, especially they need it in the first, uh, you know, decades of their lives. After that, you know, they, they, they are able to manage. And so... When we parent from this kind of an angle, we are doing what the mantra is telling us to do in the beginning of this Upanishad. You know, Atmanam Abhidhyaye May the person be contemplating upon the self even while one is engaged in the action of trying to, you know, do some task. Because I'm doing this, you know, for the sake of self-knowledge, so to prepare for self-knowledge. How does one prepare for self-knowledge? By losing the ragadvreshas. So, step one, manage them. Step two, suspend them. Step three, let them go. Yeah, Wish them goodbye with your hanky, because after that you'll need it to dab the eyes. <laughs> so, that's all it is. Because no more hanky-panky, that's all it is. So step one, manage the desires. Step two, put them on a fast. Suspend some of them. Suspend as many of them as you are capable of. And then finally step three, what? You know, wave goodbye to them. Grow out of them. Let them drop. You don't have to drop them. Let them drop. You know. (laughs) Rasavarcham rasopyasya param drishtva nivartate. So these desires, even after they have dropped, says the Bhagavad Gita, you know, the, the, the longing for the for the thing remains. The pursuit of the thing has dropped, but oh, how nice it would have been. You know, I wish I was not in this spiritual life. Then I could have gone to a movie. So the, the the pursuit of going to the movie has dropped. The longing for the movie is moving in the mind, you know. And so what? <laughs> so therefore, you know, Bhagavan says in the Bhagavad Gita, let the longing remain. You have suspended the pursuit. It's enough. Let the longing, longing remain. When the longing is directed towards Brahman, in the form of the pursuit of this knowledge, then the longing also goes away. You are relieved of the longing. Yes. When? When you have a sense of belonging. <laughs> ah, all longing is because I feel I don't belong. So the longing is converted to belonging. First, belonging to the whole universe. And second, seeing that, you know, that I belong everywhere as everything I am, everything. That is what the whole thing is. And so the longing doesn't matter. The long, We learn to manage the longings, you know. First by spiritualizing the pursuit and then slowly letting the pursuit drop in the light of this knowledge. And so this is, you know, this, this is illustrated. How to do this is illustrated through a story. And we all love stories. And um, a very nice, a beautiful story is given here and this is this upanishad is like almost like the mahabharata because it has story within a story within a story and uh, we, we will see a couple of them you know and uh, we will appreciate the the the, um, the their pertinence to our lives so now we are progressing to mantra number 2 and what does it say om brahagraho nama raja Rajye jeshthamputram nidhavayitva idam ashashvatam manyamanaha shariram vairagyam upetaha ara, aranyam Nirjagama. So, now, once upon a time, Hawaii, Hawaii are indeclinable particles that show that this was something done once upon a time, long, long ago. So long, long ago, what happened? Brihadratha, there was a raja by the name of Brihadratha. Brihadratha means the one who had a huge chariot. When his chariot went on the road, everything had to empty out. Yeah, it was not a chariot. It was more like a Super Bowl float. Oh, you know, which took up the whole street, and you, you needed not a pair of eyes, but a big, sturdy head and a neck to be able to see the chariot. <laughs> Brihadratha, that was his claim to fame. You know, just like Vajashrava, another story a protagonist in another Upanishad, Katho Upanishad. Vajashrava means the one who has received fame through having so much food, just because your cellars are full of food, you don't get the name Vajashrava. That food was distributed daily to people and that's why he got the name Vajashrava. And so here this king has the name Brihadratha, the one with a big 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 huge chariot, you know, whose ends you could not see without turning the head, you know, several times. And so such a king, naamaraja, so that was his name. So what happened? So one day he decided to go to the forest. When does one decide to go to the forest? <laughs> Let us see. So, and he did not just run away. Let's not come to the conclusion, to the hasty and the misinformed conclusion that he ran away from his duties and then went off to the forest no 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 he was a responsible man he was a responsible king Jehtam putram putra paitva. you know paitva. Uh, and so uh, nidha uh, actually should be nidhapya because it has a uh, whatever uh, 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 prefix in the middle but uh, in, in the in the beginning but it doesn't matter chandasa so paitva means having established Having established what? Jeshtam Putram Rajye Vidha Paitva. Having established his elder son on to the throne. Rajye here means throne, not kingdom. Uh, You know. So having established his elder son on to the throne, what did he do as his successor? What did he do? You know, Aranyam Nirjagama went off to the forest. So, did he go to the forest because he was, you know, um, what, you know, he wanted a vacation? No, no, no. Did he go to the forest for a hunting trip? No, no, no. Vairagyam, you know, Vairagyam upetaha. Upetaha means, having gained Vairagya. Vairagya means, having gained a distaste, a kind of a, um, you know, not kind of a distaste because one dislikes the kingdom and the duties of being king, but having gained a distaste or having, you know, been so replete with with being being the king and conquering, you know, the neighboring enemies, been there, done that, Um, enjoyed all the royal, uh, you know, frolickings of all the sensory delights, been there, done that, and gone and, uh, you know, uh, gone and had a nice wonderful, you know, set of uh, queens, been there, done that, had the joy of raising children, princes and princesses, been there, done that. And then, so the person was leading a fulfilled life. So the Vairagya, is not so much a distaste for the enjoyments, but a a boredom with the enjoyments because the enjoyments are not leading me to enjoy the self as as a contented person. So the Vairagya brings in Viveka, even though the Upanishad is not talking about discrimination between the finite and the infinite. We have to extrapolate because Vairagya always brings in Viveka. You know, and if you have Viveka, definitely Vairagya will come. But here, Vairagya has brought in, you know, the Viveka, and what has happened here? So, the the Viveka is all these enjoyments, these Rajya Bhogaha, these kingly enjoyments, what are they doing to me? The kingly enjoyments are not getting me where I want to be they're not giving me what I want what is it that you want I'm not sure but I want some contentment but I'm sure one thing I'm sure is that this is not giving me this you know this is not giving me this what are my current pursuits are not giving me the fulfillment that I require in my life that I'm pursuing in my life I'm not getting this so then what happened? You know, how did, how did he get this vairagya? He got it through a particular way. He started with his own body. Idam Shariram So, he started to look upon the body, Manyamanaha, as what? Idam this is finite. everlasting. Ashashvata, temporary he started to say this is finite this is temporary what shariram idam shariram ashashvatam. this body is temporary and why because you know if he is old enough to have a son to who can succeed him so by this time maybe a few teeth had fallen off <laughs> and a few of the things in his life he could not eat and uh, you know Maybe he had started to um, have uh, too much rich things, you know, if you eat, you have what is called, uh, what is that? There is one uh, disease of eating too much, like there is too much uric acid in the the toes and the, uh, you know, extremities, fingers and toes, gout. So, you know, maybe eating all these rich food had given him gout, rheumatic gout and so he cannot move his fingers, cannot, you know, enjoy everything and maybe his eyes were bad maybe you know too many sweets and all these things had given him diabetes who knows I mean in, a, he, in any way he started to look upon his own body and realized that this this is, this is just not you know this is temporary this body is not giving me what I, I you know want and this body is temporary and if the body is temporary we, you know, because I'm most identified with this body. So if the body is temporary, what about other bodies that are connected to me in terms of queens and princes, princesses? They are also temporary. Those bodies, also temporary. And what about all the other things in life? Temporary. You know, everything in life is temporary. All the bhoga, sukhani, the the, the sukha bhoga, everything, all the happiness, everything is temporary. And means considering, but here it should not be translated as considering, you know, realizing, understanding what you know that all that is here is temporary. Aranyam Mirjagama set off for the forest, resorted to the next ashrama in life, which is what vanaprastha. Nowadays, because of deforestation, there is no forest to go to. <laughs> vanaprastha can be had in a little one room flat. That's all you have to do. <laughs> this is what it is. And have one potted plant. That is your Vanaprastha in the contemporary times. And be surrounded by a few potted plants and call it, you know, call it Vanaprastha. So, he... Uh, He slowly moved to the next phase in life having, you know, been sick of enjoyments of seeing that he could not use this body as a tool for further enjoyment because it was falling apart. And then what? And then went to the next stage in life. You know, Aranyam Mirjagaba And he didn't do this because it was the time to go to the next phase and everybody is doing it. The neighboring king did it. No. He did it because of Viveka and the Viveka is given here in the line in shariram ashashvatam manyamanaha vairagyam upetaha So ashashvatam manyamanaha a cognitive shift has occurred which is Viveka that everything starting with this body is finite and therefore vairagyam upetaha so therefore the enjoyment for the finite has decreased considerably, because what's the point? What I want is the infinite and what's the point of business as usual with the finite and so let me just, you know, go to the forest where I can lead a contemplative life, where I can pursue this knowledge. But how can knowledge be had without teacher? no, No teacher, no knowledge. You know, there was one song No woman, no cry. So that can be converted into no teacher, no knowledge. <laughs> that is what the whole thing is. So, no teacher, no knowledge. Why? Yesterday I told you, or day before, if you read the book called Upanishad, what do you get? Headache. that's what you will get. Especially if you read my three Upanishads, you, you get, a, you know, my grain. Yeah, my for my three, and you get a big migraine, my three grain you get. Ah. It is. it is very confusing it is all over the place and by the time you are done with it you, you don't you become a samkhya philosopher. <laughs> Chances are there and then or you can become a Buddhist thinking that that's what it is saying if it is not properly understood. So the Upanishad cannot be read because the very infrastructure starting with the ahankara, the mind and the Chittam, the feelings etc are compromised. And with the compromised vision, if you look for the infinite, with the finite vision, you will see only the finite. And so therefore what? This is a matter to be heard. It is a matter to be listened to. So the Pramana has to come from outside. We have seen this. Pramana means the means of knowledge that opens my eyes to the truth of myself has to come from without and that without here is the teacher. And the teacher is safe because the teacher is only repeating the things that his teacher, her teacher, told her or him. The teacher is not making stuff up. Huh? Oh, but you make up stories. Stories are okay, <laughs> but you're not. One is not making up stuff, which is the message of the Upanishads. The stories are, after all, to illustrate the message, and so so the message is unaltered. It is flawless because it is unaltered. It has been gained, you know, by the students who who listen to their teachers and then they become teachers and in turn give it to their students who then become teachers. This is what is called parampara. It's a flawless parampara. No, but what if there is a flawed guru in the middle? That guru doesn't matter. Such a person, you know, A flawed, one flawed person does not a parampara decimate. Why? Because there are so many others who are true and who are authentic. And so therefore, one person who perhaps, you know, went the wrong way, you know, the Bhagavan will not even allow them to teach. And even if they taught, their teachings will not reach. They will teach, but it will not reach. Like Duryodhana writing a book on Dharma. Did you know that? He wrote a book on Dharma. Where is it? Aja bhakshitam perhaps eaten by the gods because they were in the form of leaf manuscripts. Never came to light. Why? Because the most adharmic person in the universe is writing a book on Dharma. How is it going to be? You know, how is it going to? You know, Bhagwan won't let this happen. It will not come to light. And so, like this, you know, one or two. Uh, what should I say? Spoiled apple doesn't matter in the parampara because such people, you know, are not remembered, such people are not even reviled, they have just forgotten because they, they are just like, they don't even matter because they have had no effect on the pursuit, etc. So therefore what? So therefore, the Viveka here and the Vairagya together have created in Brihadratha a deep, desire for the teaching, for the knowledge and because of this deep desire, you know, what does he do? He resorts to the forest and there he is not picking berries or you know taking selfies among the bushes. What is he doing? He is looking for some way to gain this knowledge. He is looking for some teacher and how he looks for the teacher is, is actually a very, through a, an austerity, very ghola tapas. Ghola tapas means a kind of a, of, you know, austerity that is a, a, an extreme austerity. Let us see what he does here. So, satatra paramam tapah asthaya adityam ikshamanah udhvabhuhu udhvabhuhu tishthah Ishtayan, uh, ishtayan Sahasrasya. So there he did not sit down under a tree and go to sleep. You know, nor did he take selfies with all the other uh, frolicking bunnies in the forest, bunnies and deer. No. And then, uh, nor did he take a video of wildlife in their uh, in their habitat and send it to be uploaded on National Geographic. No. What did he do? Satatra. He, over there, where in the forest, paramam tapaha, he, and he engaged in a very exalted and very difficult to perform austerity. So, what did this consist of? Uh, what did this tapas consist of? You know, ikshamana, uh, adityam ikshamana. So, he was established in a tapas where he Looked at the sun. Well, that's not a tapas. I can also look at the sun. <laughs> How long can you look at the sun? For a split of the second, if you look at if you look at the sun for more than a split of the second, you know you will have some problems in the cornea. Yeah. So therefore, it's a cornea idea to look at the sun. But here he looked at the sun with urdhva babum, arms outstretched. Arms outstretched, he looked at the sun. You know, something like this, with the face up. For a tha- sahasthrasya, and you have to add, you know, Dine, You know, so he, he looked at the sun incessantly with his arms in the outstretched position for a thousand days. So, I don't think anybody is going to try to find a teacher in this way. <laughs> you know, and uh, we can say that Brihadratha was not just doing this to find a teacher, he was doing these austerities to, to let go of all the inner kalmashas, the ragas, the dveshas as an atonement to all the wrong things he has done because when all the wrong actions uh, come to an end and when one is aware of all the wrong things one has done and one, you know, truly does atonement for those actions, then the antakarna the mind, the heart is purified enough to open, throw open the gateways of Atma jnana and so then the teacher comes as a result. So it was not that to get a teacher he did this, he did this horrible sounding tapas for the sake of inner purification because the sun, you know, Bharkaha Devasya Mahi. The sun is called Bharkaha from bridge Dahane and what did the, the sun do here? So, the sun is seen as the burner of wrong karmas. All the papas were burnt away in these thousand days. And Brihadratha became incapable of you know anger, incapable of uh, this greed, avarice, incapable of pride. He became very humble. And for a king of his stature to be humble, it's a big thing. Because really speaking, humility is the way to knowledge. Because the humility ensures that the doors to shraddha are open. Because that humility must be kept at the forefront. And Pujaswami, Swamiji would always say that, and he would ensure that the people who had, who he saw as students, serious students, and you know, he would he would just. Uh, say things to make sure that you know they would they would be kept you know so to speak that this humility would be kept in place all the time and I have been witness to this and i myself have experienced this because one time we had a some uh, big meeting and um, i was so overjoyed because it had gone very well i was in fact ecstatic and after the meeting everybody in us in a small group myself uh, I was there with Pujaswamiji and we were talking about, you know, how the meeting went and how these people who were so resistant at the beginning, you know, came to, you know, came to, the, uh, uh, came to, to listen to what Pujaswamiji had been saying all along and, you know, gave up their stance on sort of perpetrating violence and all these things. And so we were feeling very um, happy and uh, in in my mind, I had a thought, you know, I, I, I felt particularly happy and the and the thought had a little bit of pride in it because, I, I you know, Swamiji had asked me to contact these people and I had contacted these people by email and all these things and I had, you know, and I was involved in this project right from the start. So I was in a you know, secretly, because this was all happening in the mind, not secretly, deliberately, but it was just in the mind, happening uh, the thought that, oh, how nice, I was involved in this right from the start. And, you know, so I was in a self-congratulatory mood. And Ujja Swamiji, sitting there, could (laughs) read my thoughts. He could. And then he looked at me, he was just engaged in some talk. He looked at me and he said, it was not because of those emails," <laughs> he said. "It was not because of those emails, you know. I was the one who told you to write to them, and you know, immediately it was just like a homecoming. It was just wonderful. It was a very, you know, immediate blessing in the form of you know knowing that that you know this this humility must be kept you know in the forefront." for this, uh, you know, for this self-knowledge. And so his uh, stance, Brihadratha's stance here, you know, is one with the arms outstretched like this. It's a supplicatory stance. It's a stance of surrender. Throw up the arms and allow the sun, which is here, you know, both literally and metaphorically, what, you know, burning all the papas. So that humility comes, it is it is kind of a loop. The humility allows the papas to be taken away and the taking away of the papas ushers in the Vinaya. Vidya, Vinaya, Sampanne. So Vidya and Vinaya go together. Learning and wisdom along with humility go together. And that is what allows this Sarvatma Bhava some other shinaha for these uh, for the people who are able to have equanimity and that equanimity then leads the people to be uh, those who are humble, to be able to see Bhagavan in everything and to be able to recognize themselves as the truth of everything. So the pride is always there. One always feels like I am right and I have this and I have that. But the humility here is kept at the forefront as we will see in Brihat case. So, he has been burnt to a crisp. What? The papas have been burnt to a crisp. Ah, standing there with the arms outstretched, looking at the sun and the sun burning the vision. What is the vision? A vision of division. This is all has to be taken. Look at the layers of meaning in this. It's just so beautiful. So we hear that if you look at the sun for more than a split second, the cornea is burnt. You have macular problems. But here, you know, we are talking of the wrong vision. I am a great king. I have so many chariots. And my chariot is famous in all over the world. And I have this, I have that. I have accomplished this, this I have quashed this enemy. I have done this, that. All that is just burnt. I am somebody and I have to fight against somebody else. Oh, no. somebody is insulting me and I have to defend myself. Burnt. I am right. I have to be always right. Burnt. I deserve this. I am entitled to this. Burnt. I want this. Burnt. This is who I am. Burnt. And that was burnt even before he gazed at the sun because he saw his decrepit body. His, he saw his body that was just changing as he spoke. And then he's—he—that's what led him to go to the forest. And in the forest, he submitted himself to to being a humble person, to allowing all the wrongdoings and the effects of the wrongdoings to to be burnt off. And the wrongdoings are burnt off when you know when one atones for them, and the effects of the wrongdoings are burnt off. When, when in the light of this atonement, when the prayer is there, then when the effects are burnt off, that's when the Pratibandhas or obstacles standing in the way of gaining this knowledge are, you know, burnt off. That is what the whole idea is. Because why should I focus on burning off papakarmas? The effects of the wrongdoings are burnt off means whatever was standing in the way of gaining this knowledge, even the smallest action of turning on the computer, even the smallest action of anything, all that is gone and it's gone because, you know, there is nothing keeping me from this knowledge. Very, very beautiful and uh, very telling. So the wrong vision, a vision of division, a vision where everything was separate from him, was burnt off by Bhargha, the sun. And the sun, you know, manifested, this is the, the, the Adhisthana Devata of the sun, the, the, the presiding deity, which made the sun the sun, in the form of the burner of karmas, manifested in the form of a sage called, what what was his name, you know, uh, uh, the, 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 his name was, Shaka yanya. So the sage Shaka Yanya was, came into this picture and the sage Shaka yanya manifested himself when after a thousand days. You know, so sage here is called Munihi. Munihi antikam ajagabar. Agnir agniriva Adhumakate jasa. Nivdahan Iva Atmavit Bhagavan Shakayanya. So this Lord Shakayanya, who was a muni, who was a sage, who was a you know who was also what? Bra who was a knower of the self. So who came? Who was this Shakayanya? Shakayanya was a brilliant sage and manifested himself as, you know, uh, as a teacher, Atmavid, the one who knows the Atma and Shakayanya also, what he, what else was he? He was a Muni, a contemplative being. And so what happened? Muni, he Antikam Ajagama, Ajagama means approached, Antikam means came very near, near to what? Near to where this man, Brihadratha, was standing with the arms outstretched looking at the sun. So, came near to him and tapped him on his back. Hello, you know, I'm here. And so, Antikam came near to him. Aajaga, And what did he look like? He, you know, he tad bhavati because, you know, he was looking at this fireball for thousand days and without... Uh, Without sh- shifting from his uh, stance, and uh, un- 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 incessantly he looked at the fireball. And so the teacher was as brilliant as the fire without smoke. Agniriva, like the fire, Adhu Makate jasa, you know, nirdhan, burning like a brilliant fire, devoid of smoke, this sage, you know, who was Atmavit? So, who was the knower of the self? Because the, the knower of the self is, is shining with the resplendence of the self. And with this self resplendence, the shining being, as shining as the sun, upon which Brihadrata, the king, had meditated, manifested himself and said, What? Uttishtha, Uttishtha. Arise, O King, Arise, 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 because, why did he say Arise, he was already standing up. (laughs) No, he was, we have to supply all these things, you know, because, what did you, you know, what did we say here in the beginning, he was standing up with his arms outstretched. And then, when he is already standing, the Muni doesn't have to say, Arise, Arise. So, we have to read in between the lines, logically, and understand that when the Muni came near, you know, Duhadratha broke his tapas and touched the feet of the sage. And so, then he fell at the feet of the sage. That is why the sage said, Arise, arise. You know, Arise, arise, he said. Uttishtha, Uttishtha, you know, and then what? Varam Vrineshva, Ibi. you know, Varam Vrineshva. Arise, Arise, O King Rajan, and then what? Varam Vrineshva. choose a boon, choose whatever you want, because you have obviously impressed me with your, you know, unblinking, staring skills, and your tapas is not to be, you know, not for the faint of heart. And not for the one who fades quickly <laughs> at the sight of the sun. So you have had Tapas Siddhi. So you have had, you have accomplished this tapas. And for the sake of this prayer, in the form of this tapas, I am going to give you what you want. Ask for one boon, you know. And what boon he asked for, we will continue with this tomorrow. Okay? all okay. right Om, poo, namada, poo, namidam, poo, na, poo, namada chete, poo, nasya, poo, namada, goo, om, shantishantishanti, shri guru, yo, namaha, hurry he